Matrix.com and on iTunes and getting that out of the way first just in case uh, people for some reason are listening to us in some other means <laughs> and they need to do that right away. It is um, just about the end, halfway through the summer I guess actually, it's the end of July and it's episode 54. That's right, 5-4. 5-4. Only a month and a half since our last one. That's not bad. That's not, not bad. bad. It said June. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. Right. That's good. Nice. And we're back at uh, your place, um, settling in now, I guess, with you and Elaine. So. Yes, indeed. Nice, nice. And uh, for those of you who have listened to our podcast religiously or maybe atheistly, <laughs> I guess, but still consistently, uh, um, we previewed at our last one that we were going to do a little bit of a different, uh, at least try a different uh, format for a little bit. And, uh, um, <laughs> Basically being inspired by, um, I guess, I, I would say, at least my newest, I, I don't know how much you've been listening to Alec Baldwin and his podcast, but definitely uh, my new podcast inspiration. Huh. Uh, and it's, and he, he's what gets me out to the gym now, because when I'm at the gym, I like to listen to his podcast. Nice. So when he doesn't upload one, I don't go to the gym. <laughs> really? Well, it's true. It used to be every week, but... Um, it's a little bit, yeah, a little bit... A little bit less. Yeah. But... Uh, you know, just his inquisitive tone, his curiosity for people, uh, and uh, we thought it would be a good op opportunity, and you and I were talking offline, to interview each other, because I think we've been doing 53 previous podcasts about these two chumps who are, like, you know, opinionated <laughs> about stuff, yeah. typically politics, uh, and we have a little bio on our dot matrix dot, the dot matrix dot com website. Um, but doesn't get too much into who we are, so probably we thought it'd be a useful thing to do a little bit of an here's the thing with Alec Baldwin style podcast with each other. So are you excited? I feel a little bit on the hot seat, but I'm excited. Yes, I'm excited. <laughs> That's why I was, I'm like, I'm so keen to will you. But uh, hopefully it's helpful for people to listen and get a sense of this. I would assume most of the people who are listening kind of know us, but maybe they only know us for a certain slice of our lives and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, not all of our lives. And it's just right. nice to get a glimpse. And for those of you who have just stumbled upon us, however they have, it's just nice to get a sense of that path and who, who we are and maybe helps inform listeners about what informs our opinion. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I think it'll be fun. Take it away. So I guess some context um, is we've known each other for probably the most of our lives, other than yeah. um, I think it was kindergarten, yeah. right? And uh, and I want to start. Uh, my first question to you is the. I mean, it's funny is when you have Alec Baldwin interview people, he's always like, "Oh, it's the commission, the 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 commissioner of Sing Sing or something," or you know, they talk about you know. From the beginning, what got you into corrections or something like that, right? right? But you know, and and both of us are thirty six, so yeah. we're you know there's still a lot left in our lives, uh, but we're gonna sort of try to to delve into Sean the first thirty six years. Yeah. Um, okay. 
knowing that, you know, hey, at least we're not like doing an autobiography like, you know, Justin Bieber or something. You know, like. <laughs> I don't spit on people, okay? <laughs> Did he spit on someone? Yeah, he spit on fans. Oh, I didn't know that. Below his hotel room. It was like a Michael Jackson thing, except not pre- pretending to drop a baby. He spat. And they wanted it. They loved it, apparently. Oh, people are kind okay. of outraged at the same time. Anyways, but let's start from the very, very beginning. And I find this kind of interesting, uh, and some somewhat telling, sometimes absolutely not telling. But what's your first memory? What's your earliest memory? Ah, I know this. You know this. Okay, I you do. better. Okay, what is it? Uh, I remember, um, and I, I told my parents this and they don't recall, but I, I remember really being really, really, really young and being in, in some sort of car or vehicle of ours. I always attribute it to a camper we had. We used to have a camper. And um, my mom was slicing uh, apple for me. And I remember, so I remember being in a moving vehicle, my mom in the passenger seat, my dad was driving. Like, I, I would think my sister was next to me, even though I don't recall that exactly. And um, she was giving me slices of apple, like little slices. Sorry. <coughs> and um, I always told myself that that was my first memory. Mm. And, you know, when you think back, sometimes you think of things that you, you're you not sure if they're memories or if they're things that you did that your parents told you about at a young age. Right. Um, my other earliest memories, I mean, oh man, I have memories of... Um, going to either my own birthday parties or friends' birthday parties at uh, McDonald's because of the playground you had. Yes, the three-year-old McDonald's in Richmond, the first in Canada, is epic for Christmas par- uh, birthday parties back in our day. Yeah, and you know, I rode my bike by it uh, um, a few weekends ago, and I was like, oh, it's so weird, because that, that whole outdoor area where the playground used to be and people used to eat around it, it's just, you know, there's a few tables out there, too, but it's just, there's nothing going on. And that used to be, and I know it was our viewpoint as a child, but that used to be... The social the, space of the oh, whole man. community. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Whether it's, you had kids or not, you went outside to eat at the end of the next day. It was a place to be. Right. Anyway, so early memories of that, the one I first described, and um, also uh, early memories of, um, of, of school and... I remember the day uh, I was dropped off at grade one. Oh, and actually, well before that, at our preschool, we both went to, even though one of us was probably in the morning, one of us in the right. afternoon. We've talked about that often. Um, I remember painting in preschool very vividly. Oh, okay. Because I'd love to do that. I'm a horrible painter, but I remember every day to get a fresh sheet of paper, the I don't know what they call like what do they call those people they weren't teachers but they were looking after you essentially like daycare right right so they would give you a fresh new sheet and paint and I remember painting and I remember just absolutely loving doing that so those are those are probably my earliest memories that's interesting because your, your memories sort of in many ways touch on what I think is sort of emblematic of who Sean is uh I mean, there's the artistic creative side, which is your the art memory, uh, the birthday parties. I, I always think of you as a very social, 
friendly connect a uh, connector person you know right and um I don't know about the apple thing. Maybe if you're gluten free, <laughs> then just kidding. Uh, but you know, I, 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 I mean, part of I think what I find fascinating and why I think we've been friends for so long is uh, I've always appreciated your creativity, your connection to people, and, and definitely your um, uh, your complexity of how you react to the world around us. Like sometimes it's rather. Preston Manning, like, and sometimes it's rather, you know, uh, pretty liberal or whatever. Like, it, it runs the gamut, and, and you're not a singular person in that sense. So, um, so it's interesting that the, some of your memories kind of relate to some of those things. And I just wanted to summarize that to give a preview from everyone as well about where we're going and why should anyone care about Sean because Sean's pretty awesome. So I'm just put that out there. Um, but it's interesting about your, your, your memory about apples and not necessarily the apple of being in the camper. And I actually, because we, you know, we were very close and we, we hang out all the time we now and for many, many years, but in those early, early days, you know, um, and I would say even into like the early bits of elementary school, we, we didn't hang out all the time anyways. And I was not, you know, in my family, we didn't really hang out. We just sort of went to school and came home kind of thing, right? We didn't really do play dates as much. Yeah. But when you were a kid, did you guys travel lots? Or like, did you, or in that van? I, I know that camper. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, parked <laughs> for eons in that play. Like, did you have lots of travels as a kid? Uh, do you remember a lot of that? Or did you guys kind of were more homebodies in the family? No, we were made way more homebodies, and I think that just attributed to, um, well, I attribute that to a couple of reasons. Um, I think, you know, my parents, what, they had us uh, a little bit later, sort of like your parents. Mm -hmm. um, even though by today's, um, you know, today's standards, today's standards it's not really late, you know. Um, so, but my mom always said, oh, you know, by the time you and Krista came along, uh, you know, your father and I were, were done with going out to the bars and because they used to do that all the time. They go to the, whatever the closest bar was. And they oh, really? Out. Oh, yeah. These, she said they used to go out all the time. They had uh, uh, lots of friends that they hung out with. Um, they would come over. And I, I, I guess uh, another early memory is actually um, this couple that came over and it was a man and a woman. And I remember... Uh, I don't remember which one was named Robin, because I know you can have a Robin for guys and girls. But I remember that name. And I remember after a while, they didn't, they just stopped coming around. Um, you know, people move away, they move on, whatever. Um, so, you know, they were very social. And I, I actually think that's where I get that from. In some mm -hmm. respects, it's funny, because I, I think I get it from my dad. Because my dad, uh, <laughs> you know, he'll actually be very social with people he just met. And I'm kind of like that, if I get the right vibe from people. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, I'm not going to be like that to just any old person I meet that they're just rubbing me the wrong way, of course. But um, so I think, you know, they had their fun and they just really concentrated on home life and just raising us. And of course, my dad worked all the time. Uh, my mom worked part time uh, when she could, once we were old enough, uh, once she, uh, she was able to go back to work she did and you know my um, some of my earliest memories actually another early memory i don't know which predates the apple story is um 
being in your neck of the woods. Oh, and okay. And that's because, as you know, my, my grandmother lived uh, on West Broadway for years and years and years, decades, uh, which is exactly where you are. Right. You're just a block off. So um, I remember being at Jericho Beach uh, with, with my mom and grandma, and I don't know if my sister was there, I, I would assume. But again, I don't quite remember. But I remember uh, gathering crabs, like these... You know, when the tide was low, all these crabs would be all over the place. And I remember I had a bucket of them, and I accidentally spilled the crabs on my grandmother <laughs> on over her legs. I remember just falling over or something, and my mom getting mad or whatever. Um, so anyway, that's another early one. I don't know if it's my first or not. But so I think, you know, uh, we, weren't, we weren't big travelers. We made a big, what seemed big at the time. We drove to Saskatchewan when I was eight, 1985. And that was pretty much the biggest trip I ever did until much later, until you and I went to the east coast of the United States. And I almost killed you <laughs> for all that walking. <laughs> and so were, um, were your, I don't even know this, like were your parents together for quite a long time before they decided to have you guys, or... Or did even them getting together sort of happened quite late for even them? Or, or how was that? Do you even know? Um, I know that, yeah, well, they were married 10 years before I was born. Oh, wait, no, I did know that. that I yeah, know. yeah. So wow. I guess, yeah, it's a long time ago, 1967. And I always remember that because they were married, I think, the same month that Elvis and Priscilla got married. Oh. I always attribute dates to events, like, um, you know, world events, you right. know? and that was a pretty big event, Elvis was getting married, right. and I was like, wow, my parents getting married the same, at least the same year was cool, but I think it was like the same, same time, but, um, so, and I, obviously, they had a courtship before that, I think they were together for about four to five years before that, mm. so, so yeah, um... And so would you describe your... Like, I always think of you as pretty even-keeled. You know, you're you're pretty curious about circumstances, and you don't necessarily rush to judgment and get angry pretty... You know, like, you don't have a temper, I, I wouldn't say. At least not that we know, at least that I'm aware of. Uh, and... Well, one, would that would that be an assessment, an accurate assessment of you, would you say? Or, or, or am I reading that wrong? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Okay. I mean, you know... I, uh, I rarely get angry, like, in public. I usually am actually pretty self-conscious about, or self-aware, let's say, rather than self-conscious. I'm, it, it, the difference being, you know, when someone says you're self-conscious, you're, you're almost kind of afraid to be a certain way, or, or look a certain way, or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it provides a, a sense of anxiety to yourself. Um, whereas, you know, you know, obviously Elaine's seen me get more angry because you know when you're sure, when you're with your partner you're you just tend to be more like how you are without thinking about it as much so you know she's seen me get angry and and but i have to say though i don't um i'm not uh someone who uh, has, has like a big temper so to speak right whereas i'm i i hardly even raise my voice actually like i'll, I'll almost withdraw rather than mm get like really angry 
and you know, I, and we don't want to delve. I don't want to delve. This is a very public thing as a podcast in terms of your your family life. But like, I always find it curious because I think people develop who they are in their personalities and their demeanor in one of two ways. I I find one, it's either it's a it's you know, a modeling of behavior that they see in within the family, within their parents, or what have you, or right. or they see a behavior from that could be modeled and choose very specifically to do the opposite because they don't like what they see. Yeah. Um, do you have a sense, I mean, was, was his, who you are a really good product of what your, what your childhood was like, or, or was it quite the opposite of that in terms of, um, like it was a quite a chaotic, high energy, passionate household and you became, you know, quite mellow because of that. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think, you know, it's one of those things where I mostly, when I probably saw some behavior I didn't like, I didn't want to be that way. Um, you know, you, no one could, I don't think anyone person, person could say they haven't seen their parents fight or argue, right. you know, yeah. especially in a really heated way. Yeah. I almost don't think that's such a bad thing in a way, uh, because for them or for the child, as long as it wasn't constant all the time, but, you know, people need to experience different emotions as long as they're not being harmed, right? And I, I think that, you know, I see my parents fight uh, on occasion and, and where I didn't, of course, I didn't like it. Um, I, you know, my dad, I thought had a temper, uh, although it didn't come out very often. But I didn't, I didn't think that was, um, you know, like, oh, wow, like no one else is like that. Right, you know? right. But my mom could almost up the ante in a way that no matter how if my dad got loud or angry, my mom could always overtake that. Uh, it's like she she uh, she could always overcome that and be like, no, it actually the it it stops here. Like right. I have the last word. And uh, and my dad knew it. So that was the power dynamic in the family. Like, like in my family, it was the same way, I would say. I mean, when I, I modeled myself of probably against behavior I, I didn't like, I, I, you know, opposite of that. Right. And I think I'm, I mean, although I've gotten mad and I get mad and sure. I'm not, you know, I'm generally not. You're generally you're yeah. happy. Yeah. Go lucky. And... Um, but like, if I had to frame, you know, my family, I my, my mother would be the, the powerhouse in the family. Yeah. And that same thing in your family. Um, it was a little more balanced oh, okay. than probably what you have described to me over the years sure. as a dynamic. I think, you know, there, there, there were ways where my dad, uh, would, he would just maybe find different ways to be, you know, like state his point and just, you know, whether it's silent treatment or whatever, you know, like, I think he would just, I think where I get, where I would withdraw, I think I get that from him too. Mm. Um. But, you know, he could also have a quite a soft side. And I think that I get that from him. Um, I think from my mom, I get more of those things. But I get, I get more of a balance, too. I think, you know, my mom, at, uh, at many times, which I always respected, was the fact she would actually just be a little more direct and just say it like it, like it is, you know. And uh, especially earlier on, I think over time, that kind of mellowed, but um, sometimes I just think, you know, or I say what my mom says. I'm like, oh, it's going to hell in a 
fuck it, that's it, you know? And as if I'm ready to just, you know, uh, you know, that that's just quit or something, even though I, I don't, it's more of an expression um, where it's like, you know, why bother prolonging something, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I don't know, I think it, from experiences of your youth and, you know, when you see the, the dynamic in the home, you, you pick the things and as you get older, I'm sure you find this too, you start saying or doing things like, oh shoot, my, my mom or dad would have said something like that or done something like that. And I, and I, I try to take, uh, their, obviously their, their better qualities over their, their failings because we all have failings and right. we don't want to repeat the same ones. We might have different ones. We don't want to, you know right. what I mean? So it's that kind of thing, like. And I, I don't want to. I want to move on to another interesting topic. But before that, I, what your last statement was interesting because it it made me think about the difference I think between between you and I, which I I always forget about. Is I I always forget that you are the oldest of two siblings, and I you know and so you're the first child in the family. Yes. And I'm the third and last child in the, <laughs> yeah. in the family of five. And and when you sort of say you know you choose you pick and choose the behaviors right. Uh, that you observe and and I always think I was the a real uh, such a luck of the draw to be the last child to go into a family of, of that was an existing family of four I became the fifth right and uh, and there's a lot of apparently like psychology and studies around sort of family dynamics and stuff and right. the youngest you usually a bit usually more jovial more laid back because well parents they at the third child, I become less specific, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and and you have to learn to adapt. You have entered a family, a big family, and you have to become noticed or fit in and right away. And and you and I and I saw four different behaviors of good and bad, and I was able to observe and choose. I mean, not intentionally, but just what happens, right? Right. And and I wonder, like, uh, before I move on, you know what. What do you feel or not feel has influenced you as being like the first child, like the older brother? Um, because I mean, you're picking and choosing behaviors, but you're not really picking and choosing from what Crystal is doing because she was younger than you. Unless at a certain point you do get to a certain age where you both have distinct features and characteristics and you might want to do that. But like, was being an older brother influence who you are in any big way? Yeah, I think so. And and my you just ask my sister and she'll say that I probably have like a way older soul in that sense. Okay. Um, she'd always, you know, poke fun at me here and there for you know, talking like a dad or whatever. because uh, you know the way you describe me as being very Preston like Preston Manning for all the people. Who <laughs> you know, I've I've always actually kind of been like that, and I'm sure Chris could attest to that. You know, because I get oh well, it's just. You know, I get, I, I start talking like that and, and that, <laughs> that can get annoying to anyone, I'm sure. Um, uh, but yeah, um, it's just one of those things where being the older brother, although just by 14 months, the older you get, it seems like less of a separation of age, as you could probably imagine. Because um, you're, you're one year younger than, than, or two years younger than Vanessa, correct? Yeah, in the calendar year, but it's like 18 months. 18 There's months. like 18 months in between each of us. Kind so of. Similar type of deal. So, uh, you know, I actually, uh, as over the years, learned a lot from Krista because she, I always felt that she was actually kind of the stronger character of the two of us. I think she was, um, 
where if I was more doormat like say as a personality uh her not so much mm. um so I I like I I always thought oh yeah she's way more of a Marstrom beat um more uh kind of this uh independent spirit in a way um although we're very much alike too you know a lot of people thought we were twins when we were young Especially, you know, you, you and I would be in split class with her, grade three and four, and then again, six and seven. So, you know, uh, and a lot, you know, of course we have a lot of um, facial uh, similarities and stuff. And a lot of people are like, oh, you guys, you know, you laugh the same, you do all that. So aside from those kind of normal sibling things, commonalities, um, I, I, I did always kind of feel like an older brother, especially an older one earlier on. And but as we got older, and she, and you know, she, women tend to mature faster anyway. I always thought she matured faster than me. So <laughs> it's kind of funny when you think about it that way. I think if I had been five years older or three years older, even it would have been such a different dynamic between us. But because we're such close friends now, which is amazing, right? So. Uh, you know, of course, we, we fought when we were kids, like any siblings did, but it was sure. never never out of control or anything. You know, I always feel sad when I hear about those stories of siblings that never get along or whatever. It's just, I just, I just couldn't imagine it, you know. So, yeah. So, moving on from childhood topics to actually, because I think, I think about, you know, the brand of Sean, right? <laughs> I would say there's two big things that started you know, in those early years. And actually, I'm not sure which one came first. There is a joy and appreciation of all sorts of music. And then there's the drumming. And of course, drumming is part of music. But, right. like, which came first? Did you... Were you curious about drums and really wanted to take up drumming? And from that was the gateway into an appreciation of a whole genre of art called music and a variety of styles? Or... Were you all, was there music in the house a lot? And then from that came a curiosity of a particular instrument like drums. Or was it somehow a merging of the two that they all come together? It was definitely uh, the latter. It was music. Okay. Just having music on. My mom said that she always had um, music on when she was pregnant. She had a record player in the living room. Uh, always played music. And uh, I would build a fort when I was, you know... I don't know how old I started doing that, but at least, you know, four or five or something, what, whenever the age is. Because um, I remember, you know, she had Thriller, and Thriller came out when we were five, and I know that because I know Dave. <laughs> so I, we at least had that. But the first record I remember, well, there's a few, but one of them was um, Elton John's Greatest Hits. And I think why that, I attribute that to me, liking music so much is important because, I mean, he was such a, a master of melody. And that, I think, I always thought that young people gravitate towards that, obviously, because you, you, how many different toys do you have a simple melody, like Old MacDonald or whatever. And uh, I loved, I loved those songs and my mom always played them. And when I built Fort, I was able to, like, change records in there. And, and she just let me, when I was able to understand a record player or whatever, she let me just do that. Um, 
so I think I I didn't get into drumming until I heard harder music whereas before I might have noticed it but not pay attention to it like rhythm and beats and stuff but when I heard um, heavy metal or you know what was like harder rock um, then I noticed the power of, of the drums and it was really that power like the um, just feeling it inside your chest, you know, like it was really loud, like loud music is what appealed to me. If anything, more than anything else, hearing it loud. My mom, I mean, and my dad over the years would just tell me to turn my music down like all the time. <laughs> Probably looking back on it now, sometimes I think about it, it's like, God, I must have drove him nuts. Like literally must have drove him nuts. Not just with the music, but obviously then having a drum kit in the house. Um, and so did you yeah. go to your parents and say, I want to learn the drums? Or did they encourage you? Or did they go, oh shit, damn it, I was hoping to avoid that, and now I'm going to get a drum kit. You know, like, like, well, how did that come about? No, not at all. Uh, if anything, you know, I'll always be grateful to my parents, uh, especially my mom initially, because she recognized, she just came to me one day and said, I think you should get drum lessons, because I kept, oh. uh, before I got a drum kit, uh, I made with my dad, we made kits at home with, with ice cream buckets and stuff, so I would just hit things. Um, so I was like, oh, wow. Well, you know, and I've always been one to be like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. Even as a kid, The child, old soul in you. Yeah, like, that's why I wasn't a soccer player as a kid, because I, the idea of going out there and being really competitive with other guys, I, I, I that, that almost scared me. Like, I, I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not big and tough like those guys. So I always kind of gravitated toward artsy stuff. And so anyway, my, my mother took me to the, this Houston, uh, Houston music lessons place, which is probably still there. And we, I started there and I just started with a little, little snare pad. I didn't even have a kit for like a couple, like a year or two. But anyway, long story short is I started to, uh, even though I love songs and I love melody, I that all kind of for a while went out the window when I discovered drums and and that I I just knew I could do it. Well, I didn't know I could do it when I first sat down at a drum kit. When I did get a drum kit, I started just hitting it. And I was like, I just started to you know play, but I I obviously needed technique and I always had teachers, so I was recognized. Um, as I got older, the importance of that, whereas a lot of kids are probably like, oh, I don't need a teacher. It's like, no, I was super glad that I had teachers because I understand the instrument. It's like, it's like, it's like a martial art, right? Like you can't just feign the move. You get, you gotta know what's behind it. And, and I think there's a lot about that with drumming, probably more than other instruments actually. <laughs> um, but yeah. And so, cause I, I, one of my early memories of school is I just remember you'd have your little, it wasn't the kid, it was just, a, I guess, the snare drum or whatever it was, and, right. and you'd be in elementary school, and suddenly you were gone because you had to do band practice or something, <laughs> and I was like, look, and he gets to go. <laughs> but um, when did you know this? Is, it was something you wanted to commit? It was like, you know, to this day, you're doing it. You're in a, you know, uh, a band that's, you just shot a video, and, and new album's yeah, coming out, and all that sort of stuff, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, and, and it's a profound 
part of your life. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have an intro in, you know, I played French horn, I played the vibes a little bit, but I, and you were awesome. Not, well, you were awesome at the vibraphone. Let's, very let's kind get that you. on the record. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, it's a passing fancy or it's a uh, great for the time. And, you know, when you have band class and when you don't have band class, you just don't continue. Right. Like, and you don't have any, like when did you know this was something you were going to commit to? and you wanted to invest a solid part of your life in? Uh, way early on. Like, it sounds weird to say, it might sound even pompous, but... Go ahead. Like, there... Once I... Uh, <laughs> it was around 9 or 10 that I started, and I knew that... Um, it wasn't only just the music. It was when I got together with friends, that's what we did. So... You know, we would play all these songs we liked. And um, so it was a social thing as well. And I love being social, as you were describing. Um, I loved performing, and I loved doing it in front of people. And uh, it's almost kind of a... It's kind of a... I hate to use the word narcissistic kind of thing, but there is, there is a power to be doing something in front of people and knowing that they're enjoying it. And that's hard to ignore, and it's hard to not do that. So when, but the funny thing is, is I was really afraid though of uh, doing it in front of large groups at a young age. Um, I think I tried to hide it as best as I could, but you know, my mom again said, "You should join the band at school." Um, and I was like, well, you know, because I'm kind of my friends, not when we're not in school. And the music that I'm playing, this harder, heavier music is, is way better than anything that they could possibly throw at me at school anyway. But then I start, uh, again, looking back, of course, it was the choice. And I didn't join until grade seven. I didn't join grade six. It was the first year I could have. Mm. I always kind of... Uh, it was like, oh, I don't know, you know, that constant, I don't know, kind of thing. And um, and then obviously I loved it because I got to play other things. I got to play the Glockenspiel, I got to play timpani, uh, the big, huge bass drum, like all these different things. And, and it opened up my eyes, as I'm sure it did you, because we, we'd be in the band together, the concert band, the jazz band. Uh, and again, like, I fostered other friendships because of it. So um, I think... It's it's something where I was like, well, this is this is what I do. Like I always just associate it with who I am, uh, and that's yeah, it's just the thing now. Yeah. Yeah, so you, I want to move on to a different topic, but before that, is you had mentioned that you had music all in the house. Your mother was playing Thriller and Onwards. Yeah, and but it was when you heard the loud music, the heavy metal and stuff like. Who introduced you to heavy metal and that kind of genre? Was it is it in the house already with your parents or your mom? Or, or was it somehow, how did you stumble upon it? Because I always think about, again, the early days of, um, or the teenage years of Sean with the drums <laughs> and the music and the hair. Right. Um, definitely was not a press and bedding in the making at that point, I would say. Uh, like, how did that come up? Was it, was it from family or was it, did you discover it completely on your own? No, uh, I, I wouldn't have. Um, you know, we had a lot of pop records, so, you know, a bit, another big record was the Cyndi Lauper record, You're So Unusual, and 
it's weird because I don't I, I, I guess my mom liked her she never talked about liking her but I listened to that all the time and then that was a little bit she was a bit kind of you know it was very mainstream in a way but she was kind of a bit out there yeah. and I started to like you know different things even though she had like John Denver and Neil Diamond and things like that but then it was it was my neighbor down a couple doors down that introduced me to the heavier stuff Motley Crue um oh my god Led Zeppelin um you know, the start, and then later Metallica and stuff when they got into, like, grade five, six, like, that kind of thing. And I started to really get, uh, get into that. And so he had all... He was four years older, and being four years older, he obviously had uh, more aggressive music that I... There's no way that I would have um, found on my own just living in our suburban neighborhood that, that we did. Um... Even though I did go to record stores all the time, I I, I was still just surrounded by uh, mainstream pop music, which I, I loved. So going to his house, and it was just a few steps away, we'd be in his room for hours listening to really loud, because his room was always furthest away from the living room in their house. Um, so we were able to really crank the music all the time. I listened to like all kinds of stuff, uh, different metal bands and uh, Kiss. Um, like, like just really loud stuff. So, and again, it was the drumming where I was just like, oh, Twisted Sister was another one. The first lip sync I ever did on drums was Twisted Sister. And, you know, all this kind of weird stuff like that. And uh, I was like, oh, well, you know, this, this is just, this is, the, this takes the cake, like for music at that time. <clears throat> and, uh, it was before you and I, uh, understood what jazz was all about and, and uh but on the other hand though um i started to my mom also had classical records and it was stuff i didn't listen to when i was really young because i just i was like well what's this it didn't look interesting but then our teacher would play it in class our teacher madam glass in uh oh, did we she? i don't four. remember that she would get a little cassette uh player out and she would play uh beethoven Wow, I don't... That is something I've blocked out of my mind, I guess. I have no idea. It was when, you know, she'd do her teaching, and then if we were doing some reading or whatever, she would say, oh, I'm going to play this. And I, I remember that vividly, because at first I was like, well, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> because it wasn't what I listened to. Sure, right, right. And I didn't get it. But then she played it. You know, I don't think it was all the time, but every now and again. And something... So then I... As I got older, like in our, you know, grade six, seven, eight, or whatever, I'd start listening to those records that my mom had. She had Beethoven records, she had Rachmaninoff and Tchaikovsky. Those three especially. And and although different periods, it was it was those melodies that I, I really started getting to and I started to be like, oh, okay. So that again, that's where I started to um expand a bit, even though I've always been a bit uh opinionated about music and what I thought was good and then you know it's taking decades but I'm starting to get over that now and keep you know quite an open mind but back then I was like oh no if I like it it's the shit you know <laughs> well speaking of that I mean I, I'm gonna move on to non-music topics but I do want to end the music section with this piece because I mean the other big thing is, that I think of when I think of Sean is your uh, encyclopedia mind and sure uh, fanaticism of the Beatles. So 
So how did that happen? Where did that <laughs> right. start? What was this? What's the spark of that? Okay, well, this kind of goes back to a memory thing. Okay. I'm glad you actually brought that up, only because I, there's no way I can talk about music without talking about the Beatles, and I, I almost feel silly for not even. The floor is yet. yours. Okay, well, uh, I often think about how did that happen, and I remember um, a couple of things. In 87, we were, what, 10? All the Beatles music went on CD for the first time. And I didn't have a CD player. But I remember that happening. And I also remember... Um, uh, my parents would bring Chris and I to uh, Playland once a year in the every summer. And I remember being on that rainbow ride, you know, that just kind of goes around and around. I remember being on that, which is crazy for me because I have trouble going on that today, but I went every every time over and over again as a child. Um, and I, they used to play music uh, a lot on these rides. And I remember hearing Hey Jude at Playland. And I remember think I remember hearing the big chorus to Hey Jude, you know, over and over again, Hey Jude. Na 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 na. And I'm thinking I, I remember going home thinking about it because it obviously it's kind of hypnotic. Like that's something that will stick in your head, right? Right. And I remember liking that. I remember asking my mom uh, about the Beatles because um, I said, you know, I said, "What is this?" Na 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 na. She said, "Oh, that's the Beatles, right?" And uh, my mom bought me because we all had cassette tapes, right? She bought me uh, Beatles Live at Hollywood Bowl. And I just remember thinking that was incredible because, and I heard that before having any of their studio albums. And I remember really being excited by the excitement on that record because there, there's, it's constant screaming over it. But you, I, I can't stress this enough, you, you really uh, feel what that must have been like at that time. They were so exciting. Like when they came on and hearing them in a live fashion, I just, I just remember listening to it constantly. And then another neighbor uh, had a couple of kids a bit older than us. They brought us over and their parents got them a tape and, and it was like a reissue of an EP of four songs and a twist and shout, like for, four early songs. She loves you, stuff like that. And I remember being like, oh, uh, okay, well, this is more. Like, I didn't have anything else other than the live thing. And then and then as soon as um, I could, I started to just, when mom would take us to the record store, I would just buy as many tapes as I could. Of course, she didn't give me lots of money to just blow up <laughs> records. But anytime we would go, i get another one, and another one, and another one. Then I had their whole catalog. And then when I finally got a CD player in junior high, I bought them all again. And my mom's like, you have them all already. She's like, I, I was like, no, but it's supposed to be way better sound. And... <laughs> So, it's again, it's the melody, it's, uh, when I liked a band, I wanted to find out everything that I could about them, and I wanted to understand what went into making it, and, but, but for some reason, the Beatles, uh, it was more, uh, um, fanatical for some reason. I, I can't even really describe why. I mean, obviously it's the songs, but it's just, there's some, there's a magic, a serious magic to it that, that um, it, it actually started to take my focus away from metal and stuff and, and from other things. Uh, and I was like, oh, well, 
Because I heard Motley Crue's version of Helter Skelter before, years before I heard the Beatles version. I had no idea it was the Beatles. And I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> so anyway, the, I just I just got into them um, uh, way deeper than, than any other band, really, up to that point. So, Well, you think about the... Uh, and I lied, I'm going to ask you another music question before we move on. <laughs> uh, because I, I think about, you know, a lot of times, you know, you ask, you know, cinephiles, what's your favorite movie? Or you ask, you right. know, music level, what's your favorite band? Or, or what have you, or favorite book if you're an avid reader or something. Like, um, and I don't know about band, but do you, like, given such uh, the layeredness in which you think about music and you know, the artist and what led them to record this or that. Like, do you, can you even remotely pinpoint a favorite song for yourself? Do you actually have a favorite song? I do. You do? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> I guess I've never told you, have I? Tell me. Um, I've, for years, ever since I heard A Day in the Life, I always said that was my favorite song. Oh, okay. Ever. Because I probably got the most out of that song then you could like wrench out of one, like, you know, like wring out of one, like a sponge. Like I, for me, when I heard that, I mean, I, John Lennon was always my favorite Beatle. Although I love all the Beatles uh, for different reasons. Uh, but he was at his, one of his most vulnerable in that song. And I loved all the different, I loved it. It was, it to me, it was, the very top of everything they ever did ever like it just was it just hit the ceiling like it was they couldn't do more than what they did there they did great stuff after that i love but because there's so much going on in that song and it's fascinating the way that song came together which i won't go into it takes another hour but uh but the drums again were really cool and it was almost jazzy those drum fills are so, um, I mean, of course, they're kind of on the simpler side. But to think that he would have actually thought to do that, to play that in a song, or it's a very simple song, just really with an acoustic guitar. Like, so I, I, I love the atmosphere created. I love Paul's part in the middle. Um, I love the orchestra ramp-ups. I love uh, the bass line. The bass line is beautiful. Um, I always felt bad because George Harrison actually doesn't do much in that song at all. <laughs> he just shakes maracas. You hear a ch -ch -ch through the whole song, and that's the only thing he does on that song. Uh, but the rest of it, I think it, it captures this atmosphere that is just, you just can't beat it. And I always thought, no, this to me is the ultimate song, and I love it, and I'll, mm. I'll never get tired of it. Cool. Yeah. I like hearing that, that like... <laughs> Decisiveness? Uh, yeah, no, I mean... <laughs> I mean, I, I have a favorite song. Do not necessarily the, the Beatles, but just I have a favorite song that I just love of all time that I've listened to kind of right. thing. Yeah. And I talk about it in the same vein that you talk about it. And I just like hearing that. Like, just what do people tease out of it and why and for what reason. So that's just great. And, you know... When I think about your response to that, and I'm trying to now pivot over, shift over <laughs> to, which I think is the next and big, the last big topic, which is, I think, you know, when I think about the podcasts that we've done, um, you know, 53 of them to date until today, um, I find it an interesting juxtaposition 
uh, and and I think juxtaposition from you today and the 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 delicate and deliberateness in which you think about like every you know every topic we've talked about you've had you've possessed that energy and answered in a very meaningful way and and I think about sort of the way we interact with the topics that we talk about and there's always an interesting conversation and juxtapose that from you know and this is different because we were both of that age when we we're in school uh and you know I think about you and the drums and the hair and all of that, you know, mm -hmm. and, and just the and we were good friends and great friends in, in high school. And we, we never really, I mean, I mean, I think again, it's age. Like we were like, you know, 13, 14, 15 or whatever as kids. And we weren't really engaging in school topics or what have you. And, and, uh, um, but you know, there's a complexity in life that we talk about quite a bit and like, Talk to me about, like, the either aspects of school that you thought were helpful to bring you to a point where you do think about everything that we talk about, or topics in life and in music and in the world affairs in that light, or was there something about school that really was uh, stifling of that kind of interaction and interplay with that information? Uh, and then once you got out of school, that you were able to finally tap into and, and feed the curiosity in the way you needed to feed that curiosity about a topic like the environment or, mm. you know, what have you, or just music or any topic. Like, I mean, is that a fair juxtaposition or, or? Yeah. Well, you know, I've always had kind of mixed feelings about school. Right. As you've probably heard me babble on over the years about, um, that's what I'm trying to allude to in a, Politically correct juxtaposition <laughs> kind of a tone, but I want you to sort of lay it out no, for, yeah, for no, everyone. That was very well posed. Um, <laughs> Long-winded, but maybe well posed. You know, I think, yeah, um, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. You know, I think I've probably learned more in school than I've probably ever consciously realized. Uh, but at the same time, I've always been especially when we were younger, say in our 20s, or, you know, I was, I was pretty harsh about school in the sense that, you know, what, what are we there for? That kind of whole age old question. Why I don't, why are they telling me what to do? Um, I don't, yeah. you know, I was never like a horrible student in the sense that I, you know, made teachers lives miserable or anything. But um, I, I definitely came to appreciate some of the things that even if it wasn't a specific lesson they told, it's how they were as, as to us. Like, for example, um, I remember uh, having a connection with teachers, uh, with some, a better connection with some than others. And I think it's almost because I had a better time in class if I could get along with the teacher better. Um, say, uh, ones that I thought were a little bit, had more of a sensitive side i've always had an appreciation for that in people they had a sensitive side they had uh, a vulnerable side um monsieur golin was one that i liked um i remember he he was always he always had a way of really just trying to appeal to you in a sense not trying hard or anything but there was a certain um 
demeanor to how he taught his classes where I would feel comfortable there. Or um, Madame César, even though I, I was finding our French immersion a bit difficult in some respects by then, it, it got a bit like, oh, I have to try now, you know, like I have to really try. Um, but I, I learned uh, more empathy from her, I think. Oh, I, I would agree. Sympathy, totally. empathy. Yeah. I learned those. It's like the qualities of how to actually be a functioning human being a in the world. Functioning human being, exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I would agree. That, you know, there were certain teachers that you know um, just didn't go through the motions. That were actually trying to show you how to be a better person, and that is something I realized over time. Um, Mrs. Bourne, another one. I liked her, although I thought, well, maybe she's a bit. Maybe she's done this maybe a bit too long. I don't know. Madame Sakarin was another one in junior high. I mean, I'm just, these are ones that are coming to my head right now, but I'm sure there's others. Uh, and so was know. there... Was I, I, was, I mean, it's funny because I work at a university now, and so yeah. I think about, you know, the way society positions the university as being the obvious next step beyond oh, you know, high right. school, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and, I mean, it's not... Clearly not the case. It's it's just you know, but it's just one of the things that 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 um, is you know part of the. That's why I'm glad to be at the university, which means like I'm not worried about funding ever going away because it's constantly uh, well positioned within the, the value of society. Right. But you think about the names of those you know teachers that you've listed off that you know taught you certain things, whether or not on the topic or just about who you were. Um, any of one of those relationships, interactions, experiences wasn't encouraging enough for you to kind of go, you know, taking that next step, whether or not university or some other grad, you know, after high school, um, was that not where your energy was? No, not at all. I mean, I think, um, you know, grade 11 really wasn't a good year for me. I remember that was probably the darkest year I had. I remember in grade 12, uh, it seemed a bit lighter on my shoulders, mm -hmm. and I actually started to get a little bit more like, oh, okay, you know, I see the, the end of the tunnel's coming. So I started to get a little bit more optimistic about things. Because, um, you know, my grades weren't doing great, and uh, I started to kind of, um, Oh, I don't know the best way to put it. I, I started to feel that, you know, well, I don't need this, you know, right. or this, you know, we're, we're now getting the specifics that aren't really related to things I want to do. So why do I need to be here for this? Where all I looked forward to was, you know, hanging out with you guys or being in band class or gym. And, you know, there's a couple of subjects I didn't mind. One that I liked very much that helped me a lot. And this goes back to, things that we take away was, you know, we had a Western civilization class, which was like, a, I don't know, I don't know, some kind of, yeah, everyone, what, what, I is, know, that? what is social studies? I don't even I, know what I, that was supposed I guess, to be. Yeah. The, the hybrid between socials and history class or something. Right. And, and I was going to think, I was, I'm glad you bring that up because I, I know because when I went into high school, I didn't, I was like, I think the only one who never took Western Civ never took history, yeah. never took, I mean, I finished the social studies component and that was it. Right. And 
and um yeah you weren't in any of those classes in life <laughs> yeah none i was doing all those not useful science courses <laughs> well yeah but uh so i guess is, is that the springboard into just your your worldly curiosity on the society in which we live um yes because i also took history mm. and it was the same teacher that Mr. Henderson? Mr. Henderson. And I liked him because he, he he had a cool way of teaching that I thought a lot of others lacked. Hmm. Another one that was similar to him was our English teacher. I'm not quite remembering the name of. Oh, where we had English together. What was yes. his name? Uh, oh, yeah. I, I don't remember oh, it's just, I see his face perfectly. It was either, in other words, it was their approach to teaching and, and to getting those lessons across and and he, he really opened my eyes to, like, I guess I've always kind of liked history, but didn't really even really know it until then. Um, the good thing about Mr. Henderson is he made us get up and talk about things about, you know, centuries ago or things decades ago that we, that appealed to us. So I went up and talked about uh, I, I don't remember which composers, but I went up talking about mm. some a couple of composers and I played portions of music or something. And, and it, it got me used to um, talking in front of people. You know, I remember one other student, I won't say her name, but I remember she almost fainted because she was so... She just could not handle the fact she was, she was next to go up in front of the class. And I remember when she got through it, I thought, wow... That was amazing. I thought, if she can do that, I can feel better about performing in front of people. I can feel better about just being myself in front of people. Like, those are the kind of things that I really like to get out of, that I got out of class, school, that I probably didn't realize it then, but, but I look back on it now. I mean, sure, it's still hard getting in front of people sometimes. If it's something that you are not an expert on, or, you know, you're learning at the same time that you're telling others about it, right? Uh, but, uh, yeah. Well, I always remember when <laughs> we were co-MCs at Steve and Jenny's Oh, yeah. And it's funny. No, no <laughs> I, I don't think, I think you and I were, like, pretty much delivered as we did in an equal footing, but I, I totally was surprised. I hadn't really noticed the, uh, the uh, nervousness that could come up with you in public speaking in front of a crowd, you know, uh, 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 you know, like you said, not all occasions, but, you know, like, there's certain, you know, I, I hadn't thought about that. And that, that was a nice reminder for me, like, oh, right, yeah. Yeah. I remember that experience. I mean, that that's a good example of that, where, it, it, you know, of course I love to talk to people about friends that I love and stuff, but here now we're doing it on, you know, uh, a big occasion in a really nice room, a lot of our friends' parents, a lot of people we don't know, and and you know, I I was like, wow, this 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 is this threw me it threw me a bit. I have to say, I uh, I stumbled and I was just like, oh boy, and you know, it's not easy when you're when you're next to a natural oh, yourself. No, 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 no. You were very endearing that whole night. <laughs> you so charmed the socks off of everyone. <laughs> No, I, that's one thing I noticed about you is because, and how far you've come in that respect, because 
because you, you you handled it like a pro and you, you, no serious and Elaine and I, you really anchored that whole thing and and uh, I'm sure Steve <laughs> to this day looks back at that fondly of just carrying it through because um, Elaine and I have been in a lot of weddings and it's not often you have someone as charismatic as you and fun loving and you know and you bring out how to explain this. Everyone knows how they feel about the couple getting married, and everyone's feeling really good that day, hopefully, you know. <laughs> hopefully. Um, but you're one that can really just tie it like a bow. So I, thought <laughs> that you, I thought you really just kind of encapsulated everything, and uh, you, did a, you did a great job that day. So. Well, and tying it in a bow, I would like to close mm. with one last topic, mm -hmm. and um, not time pressure or anything. But we sort of come to the path, and we flip-flop to today, but also, you know, spend a lot of time more in your, you know, childhood and school years and so forth. And speaking of happy times and, you know, relationships, and let's talk about Elaine. <laughs> and not, again, I, I don't, you know, let's not, uh, you know, share anything that she wouldn't want shared in this kind of venue <laughs> or anything. But, but, you know, it was in and around that time where you were introduced to Elaine. Right. And um, I don't want you to share all the secrets of your marriage and and uh, all of that sort of stuff. Um, or living in sin. Or living in sin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but can you, like, do, do you, you must remember that first time you met her or the first time you got it, she was on your radar, so to speak? Like, oh yeah. Um, Talk about that to make us feel really good to tie this all up in a wonderful bow. <laughs> well, you know, I for the exact moment that I I met her, I'm not sure of those first because we met in class, right? So the exact which you know, class was it? Uh, it was jazz band. So it was okay. Was jazz band or concert band? Okay, it was, it was band. Okay, so the, the, I, that's what I thought. Right? I thought I wouldn't sure if you had like another class together or something. Oh, um, no, no, because okay. because. Because she was in the trench immersion, so there wasn't a oh, right, crossover. Um, but uh, yes, because you know, for those out there who do not know, and I, most of the world knows now, but yeah, you know, Dustin and I, and Elaine, and other friends of ours went to Richmond High in grade eleven and twelve when high school was just eleven and twelve way back. And uh, yeah, we met in band, and um, I do remember um, very early on the one of those classes. Um, Probably the first or second class, it had to have been. First of all, I was like, wow, that's cool, there's a girl on bass. We already had experience with a girl on bass with our, our friend Shalashan. So I thought, how cool is that? Another girl on bass. And here she is playing this electric bass. Um, and, you know, the cool thing about being a drummer is that you're way at the back. And it, you know, you weren't sitting right next to the other flute or trombone or you know I always felt that all those people in the band were a little kind of crammed together whereas back where we are our equipment was much larger and you know it kind of felt like a little hangout for us that's how I always kind of thought of it so you know the first the first moment that we realized that we became pretty aware of each other was when um she probably thought well here's this long-haired dude he probably knows like all these you know, the rock music or whatever, and she plays um, 
break on through on the bass. So I immediately started playing the drum beat. It's like a Latin beat. Which kind of is kind of funny because it kind of goes with some of the stuff we were playing in jazz band, you know? Because it kind of did get kind of Latin-y at times. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we, uh, I thought, wow, that's, that's cool. Like, she was, she was really cool. To me, that was the first thing I thought. Um, but, you know, I was always kind of shy with girls, though, at that time. Uh, Weren't we all? Well, in the way that if there was someone I was interested in, yes. Um, I've always had friends that were girls, and I was comfortable being with girls. But if it was someone I didn't know and wanted to get to know more, I was, I was like, oh. I was always like, oh, well, how do I, how do I start? So how did you do that smooth operator? How did you move well, from? Well, it was, it was just from playing with him. Okay. And eventually, you know, we would talk back there. And yeah. that was, you know, going back to the other point, like, you know, we would interrupt the class, but, you know, we would, it was our little spot. So, so when did you go from that little spot to let's do something on a Saturday? Or like, how did that, like, how did that, how did that yeah. transition happen? Being 36 and single, I'm very curious about this topic, generally. <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> well, it just, it, it, it was because of, uh, you know, at that time, we listened to a lot more similar music, whereas I still listen to some of that music, and she's, you know, kind of evolved into, you know, other music. She right. still appreciates it, but she doesn't, you know, she doesn't sit down and listen to the door like I would. Right. But at the time, there was music that we, she, uh, she was a big Beatles fan, because her brother was a big Beatles fan. And um, her brother's obviously a musician. So um, we had the music in common. So she, we would start to hang out. Um, like, say, if we go to our friend Kevin's house, I'd just bring her with me. Like, she be just became a companion. And that, uh, and it was, you know. It, yeah, well, I thought, well, hey, I, you know, a lot in the way that um, I was hanging out with Kassan all the time. Or our right. other mutual friend, Kassan. Because, uh, well, Cassandra was the one that got me into the doors, first of all. And I thought was, that was really cool. And, and she loved a lot of music that I loved, and we had a lot of that in common. So we had a, we had a great, great bond because of that. Well, by grade uh, 11, um, you know, here we are in a new school. There's new people to meet. Well, she was someone that I thought, okay, well, it's, it's cool. I get to play with this you know, a girl playing bass, I always thought that was cool, and we're playing music we like, and then now we're hanging outside of school, um, just, you know, just, you know, she, I have to give her credit because she would always come with me and my guy friends. Mm. And sometimes a couple of girls would be there, but it was mainly, you know, she hung out with, like, the dudes, and, and she didn't know what to think about me at first because of, you know, kind of the way I was at that time, and, you know, the I hair. the hair, <laughs> the clothes, you know, the, the metal, you know, I was wearing, I was wearing Metallica shirts all the time, and, you know, things like that, so, uh, she, I think she, at first she was, you know, like, uh, I don't know about this guy, right, but, uh, we just had fun being together amongst friends and stuff, and, but it wasn't, it wasn't until a year and a half that we became a couple, which was right before we graduated in grade 12. Yes, I remember you turning around in English class and telling me. 
Oh really? Yes. Oh yeah. See, I don't quite. I don't. Oh, I remember that. I remember. I no. totally remember that. <laughs> it was you were in front of me. I was behind you, and Terrence. Oh yeah. Was next to us. And you turned around and you told me. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't. That's so funny. I do remember though when Grace noticed. Uh, because we there were there were times when we would just sit along the lockers in the hall. And Elaine and I, the next, the following week, we walked around holding hands. And she was like, wait a second. Because <laughs> I guess I told you, but I, I, you're probably one of the few that I just went up to and told. Yeah, yeah, you purposely told me. Yeah. I felt honored. <laughs> it was awesome. But of course, you know, uh, we, uh, you know, we, we've had our ups and downs like any uh, relationship, but she's been a constant presence in my life since. And obviously, you know, we've, We've been, well, I mean, we consider ourselves married. We haven't had a ceremonial marriage, um, but we've been common law for 13 years now. And we were together five years before that, 18 years. So it's, uh, it's one of those things where, as remarkable as some people might think that is, only because of how young we were and how we're still together and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, I think of, you know, like uh, how much of an impact she is on my life, right? Obviously, you know, <laughs> so just in that sense, like that kind of celestial kind of way, you know, I think, I think a lot of, along those lines a lot. And I, and you know, I don't, I don't like to question too much. Sure. I don't really see the point. At first I was like, oh, you know, I think about, oh, it's like, we've been together so long. It's like, what does that mean? It's like, there's just, there's just no point. You we we're happy where we are and I like to think she is so we go with it and we you know we of course you know you look back and there's nostalgia always there and and sometimes you think oh you know what would life be like otherwise and you don't there's no point <laughs> so I I think it's been remarkable it's amazing I, I'm super lucky to have had her with me all the time well I think uh it's funny you say it's hard. It's like it's it's not worth questioning it. But I will end with two questions. Yeah. Uh, and it's a wonderful way to sort of wrap it up. Thinking about wrapping up in a nice bow. Uh, and then there's so much stuff we we didn't get to, and I would have loved to have talked about. But we'll have to do this again. I think at some point. I oh, find yeah. this really. I don't know. How, did you find this at all an interesting exercise? Absolutely, and and we will uh, turn the tables too. So I'm very excited for that. So. Last two questions to wrap it up, and they are very much tied together. Right. Um, so what what do you appreciate most about Elaine now that you guys have been together for so long? I've always... Uh, one thing that leaps to mind right away is she's always been her own person. And man, oh man, I can't tell you... I mean, and, and I don't mean this in a in a off-putting way about other women because everyone's different and everyone has their own style and stuff but she's there are so many things that she just doesn't do that other girls do that's always bothered me mm. uh i've always loved the way she carries herself um you know sure everyone has their own self-doubt self-doubt at times everyone's gonna go through that but she's i've always liked her confidence i've always liked 
just who she is as a person. Like, I always think, man, I can't believe, you know, she keeps things really simple too sometimes. She's, she's never been about the bullshit, you know what I mean? And I've always liked that. I've, you know, she's always been incredibly thoughtful and considerate person um, towards me and others, of course, but towards me in particular, which I think is uh, it's amazing. And the harder question is, <laughs> what do you think she appreciates most about you? <laughs> I wonder as time goes on. <laughs> now the real answer. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think... Oh, I don't know. I think I'm 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 jovial most of the time. I think I'm I think I'm considerate about a lot of things. I think she I think she thinks I have a lot of empathy. Um Oh god, that's a tough one. I mean you'd have to ask her, but <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I think uh I think I might still surprise her sometimes with things. Uh I hope I'm not predictable. Um I there's you know I think uh, my enthusiasm. You know, with things like that. Um I I love how she gets enthusiastic about things, like especially her fitness and like, it's incredible. Like, I I think, you know, we've talked about this before when we were with Josie, and we talked about, as relationships go on, like, how do you keep it new? And how do you keep sure. fire going? Things like that. It's like, well, you know, every relationship is a lot of work. Just ask Ben Affleck. Um, but, <laughs> I'm just joking. Well, not really. Um, but, you know, I like how there's different things that we've done together that that we both share in, and, and fitness is one of them. And we've, you know, uh, we have our different strengths with that, but they, I think they complement each other. Um, like her determination in the last couple of years, especially, I mean, she's had her kickboxing, which is amazing. But now with all this running and things and other things that we're doing with our friends and stuff and, and with you and, and others is that, like, she's, like... When she finds something that she really digs into, she really digs into it. I love that, you know? So that's, you know, that's, that's, that's what really kind of keeps it together. It's just, you know, finding new things to uh, interest us and uh, do together. It's knowing we want to do it together, whether it's traveling or, you know, we love to travel together. We, we, we don't do it as often as I think we both would like, but, you know, just the re realities of things. Um, but man, like we have a, we have a hoot, <laughs> like when we're traveling together, I think we, we really have a lot of fun. So we like to do that more, but, but yeah, I think it's, we've, we have, there's things about each other that we still, uh, hold on to. So I think that's kind of what it is. I love it, Sean. Answered like a true politician, pivot back <laughs> to the previous question to answer more about Elaine. But I, I find it, I mean, I wasn't purposefully thinking I was going to ask and to end with that question, but I always find it interesting how challenging people, for the most part, unless you're narcissistic, I guess, or, or have some sort of, you know, sense of that, to answer a question about yourself in that sense, you know? Like, right. I, I do find it, and I always find it interesting about how people squirm out of it. Oh, yeah, it, and so. oh, I hate it when people do that. I hope we did not No, it was wonderful. It was perfect. Uh, great. 
this is funny because I've been asking you a lot of questions about yourself, and it's kind of an, an interesting, at least I felt so as a interviewer, <laughs> to <laughs> ask, you know, what you think someone else thinks of you, you know, like, it's just a different layer to answer a question more about you by asking what you think others think of you. So anyway, that's why it just sort of came to me as that, an interesting yeah, last question. That, well, exactly. That was a bit of a twist that I wasn't <laughs> expecting, I have to admit. I thought, oh, well, what could the other question be? But, um, but it's an interesting exercise because it does make you think, you know, and especially, you know, publicly as we were doing. It's, um, it's all on the record now. But yeah, so, you know, I know I, that may have sounded kind of weird with no, it's great. saying about other women, but, you know, <laughs> there's lots of qualities of other women I like, but I, I, I love how Elaine is so different uh, in that sense. It's, it's, it's just how different she is in, in a great way. So that's, that's what it is for me. Oh, hopefully she listens to this and listens to it to the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's it. Yeah. At least that's. I think it's a nice amount of time we've, we've oh, yeah. been able to do, and thanks for your patience in my questions. So you're welcome. It, it was it was fun, you know, because you know I talk about narcissism. It's like I'd be lying if I if I said I didn't like to talk about myself once in a while. So there you have it. <laughs> well, for those of you who are listening, it however you're listening to it, you can always stream it online at the matrix.com. Find us on iTunes in the podcast section. And um, we'll get this one up as soon as possible. And then I guess at some point we'll have to reciprocate and do the reverse. That we will. So that she did. Okay, let's close it there. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. Okay. Bye.